Today's show is sponsored by M1 Finance. M1 Finance is one of my favorite investment tools because it's free. It allows you to purchase partial shares of stock. So you can buy Amazon with $3 instead of $3,000, for example. And it allows you to do automatic rebalancing. With M1, you can essentially create your own robo-advisor and cut out all of the fees by selecting a set of low-cost index funds, setting your target percentage allocations for each fund, and turning on automatic rebalancing. If you set up auto deposits to the account each week, M1 will automatically weight the purchase of each fund back towards your targets. Plus, M1 is set up to help investors think long-term rather than fostering a trading mentality that you see with other apps. I have used M1 myself for many years and have no plans of stopping. One thing I have really appreciated is that when I transfer funds to M1, they are available to purchase the very next day, compared with Robinhood, which takes like five days. Ouch. M1 is definitely unique, and I love its features. There are plenty more I didn't even touch on, like the ability to create a portfolio line of credit at super low rates on up to 35% of your account balance, and earn cash back with your own M1 checking account. To use this tool, simply click the link in the show notes of this episode or go to businessandinvestingsherpa.com forward slash M1. Doing so will help support the show, and we would greatly appreciate it. Now let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the Business and Investing Sherpa podcast, where we'll teach you how to build an automated, scalable, multi-million dollar e-commerce business just like we did. Plus, we'll teach you how to invest the profits to reach financial independence and a whole lot more. We're not interested in retiring early, though, but rather building a life we never want to retire from. This is how my wife tells it, at least. <laughs> rode his bike over to the house. We had my wife and I were living in this rental home um, back five years ago. Um, and with uh, real thin walls, I guess. And so she was in the kitchen. We were outside on the front porch, and she she says that she overheard Daniel telling me, "Hey, you're part of the company now because <laughs> I put your name on the tax documents." What's up, guys? This is Daniel, and I'm the founder of Business and Investing Sherpa. And today I've got my longtime friend and business partner, Jacob, here with me today. And we are just going to kick off this podcast, episode one, by rehatching our business and investing journey. So, Jacob, what's up? How are you doing? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. What's up? This is Jacob Burton, longtime friend of Daniel's. Happy to be on the show with you, Daniel. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, so this is the very first podcast episode. And bear with us a little bit. We're still working on some of the audio technical difficulty side of things. And we're also brand new to podcasting. We're used to being deep in the weeds, grinding, building businesses, selling them, investing the profits. And we're going to share that story with you today. Um, But bear with us as we continue to get better. And I think you'll take an immense amount of value out of this podcast and hopefully become pro members of the site over at businessandinvestingsherpa.com where you'll get access to all of our tools, strategies, templates, 
monthly updates on research investments, everything that we have to offer, as well as full access to all of our courses. So keep that in mind. Go check out the site, um, sign up. We actually have a free course on how to invest in REITs right now, Real Estate Investment Trust. We're going to launch another podcast soon on how to invest um, in REITs and compare that to rental properties. Um, We've done both. We've got multiple rental properties, and we also have a whole lot more REITs, and there's a good reason for that that we want to share. Um, So be checking that out. Hop over to the podcast, sign up for the website, and sign up for that course, and it'll teach you more about REITs. So to kick it off, Jacob, tell everyone, where are we at right now? Yeah, well, (laughs) this is fun. Daniel, thanks for having me. I'm enjoying being in your garage at your house. (laughs) So if you hear some uh, interesting sounds, we're trying to keep down the noise. We've got Daniel's daughter sleeping a couple rooms away, so we're we're hanging out here. We're both young parents and both got kids in the house, and nap time's about the best time to get a podcast in. So we are not wanting to wake the kiddos and That's right. out in the garage. That's right. So That's right. So we're, we're here on a Sunday afternoon, um, enjoying the day, and uh, just thought we'd record a little audio. Yeah. Well, all right, let's kick it off. So about five years ago, I was sitting in my civil engineering office and wondering how I could create some passive income on the side. And um, I searched in Google, stumbled on the idea of creating your own brand, a physical products business and selling online on Amazon, on your own website. And that just seemed too, way too much fun to pass up the opportunity. Um, I in high school backstory though to this before that. Well, of, yeah. What, was... of what drove you to the Amazon business possibly because of the stock market? Of, oh of, yeah. Of swindling some money. Yeah. Um, that's true. Which kind of is full circle now with the uh, that, the Sherpa. That's really true. That's yeah. So, so I I had initially jumped into day trading a bit. Um, <laughs> Got my feet wet there and learned what not to do. At the civil engineering Which office. is don't day trade. While you're working full yeah. time, doing another job. <laughs> you can't keep up with it. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, you, if you day trade at a full-time job and you go into a meeting and you have a trade out, then you end up sitting in the meeting thinking, what is going on with that trade? The whole time you come back out and you're a you few thousand one direction or the other. So, yeah, definitely don't do that. Uh, my other theory with day trading is that you never quit while you are ahead. You always quit while you're behind. So you're pretty much destined to lose because at some point you're going to be behind. Some points you're going to be ahead. And it's when you're behind enough that you quit. So you lose. And that's what happened with, uh, that's what happened with me. The Amazon business. You, yeah. Uh, you've lost enough. And at the time you weren't married. Yeah. Um, and I had just gotten married. Yeah. And so... I had a little bit less free time on my hands, but you, were, you had some free time. <laughs> That's true. I was single, and that was helpful, um, for sure. It was definitely helpful. So, yeah, I jumped in and started a online business and started my own brand. Back so in 2015. 2015. We're in, we are under some non-disclosures, mm-hmm. um, some legal documents and stuff to not share um, certain things um, with that company as far as like what it was, what we sold, sale price, that sort of stuff. Um, so we'll have to kind of 
leave some of the finer details but out. Can't say but... we sold the company. Yeah. So back, back in um, the fall of last about a year, year ago today. And so that's yeah. why um, have now kind of pivoted a little bit. Yeah. Um, to invest in some of those profits. Yeah. So along the way, the company was generating significant uh, profit, and we really dove into how do we take the profits, mm-hmm. diversify that out into other things such as REITs, pack, passive stock index funds, active stock investing as far as um, things like dividend growth stocks, real estate syndications, mm-hmm. rental properties. Actual physical properties. Yeah. A couple, couple single-family homes. We used the strategies such as the Burr strategy on a couple properties, so we learned a whole lot about that. Um, Anyways, yeah. So back in 2015, yeah, I started up the e-commerce company. Daniel started it up on his on his own mm-hmm. off the start, and then the fun story there, a little fun in the mix is, Daniel came over, rode his bike over to my house, not too far. This is how my wife tells it at least. <laughs> rode his bike over to the house. We had my wife and I were living in this rental home um, back five years ago. Um, and with uh, real thin walls, I guess. And so she was in the kitchen. We were outside on the front porch, and she she says that she overheard Daniel telling me, "Hey, you're part of the company now because <laughs> I put your name on the tax documents." <laughs> and, so, and that's, that's how the awesome. partnership was formed. That's awesome. But I don't know if that's I I vaguely remember fully that true, but there probably was a little bit of that. That it was kind of. Um, it was all questionable if it was actually starting or not. It was kind of a, a bit of a uh, pipe dream. And then, hey, this is actually working. We're selling products. Yeah. So let's, let's turn this thing into a business. Yeah. So our very first product um, actually fairly flopped, I would say. <laughs> um, but I learned a lot from it. It was a lower price product. And what I learned was that the ads were kind of killing the profit margins mm. on a low price product. So I was able to get the product up to page one on Amazon, like actually very top of page one. And from there, it once I would turn off the promotion strategies, it would slowly fall down. It even had a fair number of decent reviews at that point. Um, and just the, the cost per click, I think we were still paying about a dollar per click um, or more, which when you have a $20 product, you cannot afford very many clicks. Mm. And so it just becomes a super difficult game to make profit. You have to have massive amounts of volume, lots of products, and really just push the volume game Mm. um, to be able to make that work. So I had probably invested up to, I might've placed a $10,000 order. Yeah, it didn't start there, but I think at one point I went as big as a $10,000 order. I don't know if money was lost, but it might have netted. No, I think we about pretty much broke even. It was just a realization that this product Mm -hmm. isn't going to work at that low price and that type of ad. So that's when we pivoted and we started going much higher end. Well, we tried to do a little bit of apparel. And that did not go well. <laughs> no. So I feel like these are two follow-up, either podcasts yeah. and or courses, yeah. but you've got one is probably uh, product selection and how yeah. you do that best things on. Two is finding solid um, producers of your manufacturers of your product. Yeah. Uh, really long story short, we worked our shirts. Yeah, we, uh, we worked up a deal with a manufacturer where we would get products for free. Red flag, right? Products for free. 
and then we would market it for them and we would split the difference and at least we didn't pay any up front we didn't pay anything up front and then, the idea sounded great i mean right. it's like hey we get us. free product right as, and as much as we can sell and as much as they can make let's go it was we were a true middleman for them yeah we and were like we a were, marketing middleman we looked it, the numbers looked good yeah. Everything looks good on the apparel stuff. And we went selling. big. We had we brought in tons of products, uh, a whole lineup of items. Enough. And the problem was <laughs> they were not the right sizes, really. We we tried our best to do sizing back and forth on samples and give them sizing charts, but it was the classic, the classic came, thing when you buy something and it's you know it's got a an Asian gal in the image, <laughs> and it's a little questionable the listing. You're like, okay, I'm going to get a size medium. Yeah. And it shows up, and it's a child small. Yeah, so... Kind of thing is what happened to we us. Were, we were getting reviews from adult males saying, this wouldn't fit my eight-year-old daughter. And so we had to shut that down, and Amazon had a program where we could liquidate our inventory. Uh-huh. And that's what we chose to do, because we didn't want to... We didn't want to jeopardize our brand because we actually had um, some some real good branded um, products going, and we were already building out a real yeah. product line right. um, that w- was going well. And we were trying to add in to for, further develop the band the brand with apparel, and that was a huge flop. I think it resulted in uh, a lot of stress. A lot of least. stress. Yeah, so, potentially so. death threat threats at one point from the manufacturers, <laughs> so not, not thrilled. Um, but yeah, so essentially, if you haven't quite caught on um, listening to this so far, the, the business model, it was and is, um, we reached out to, we created our brand, we went through all the legal hoops, we came up with all the branding, we reached out to manufacturers, we got samples, interacted with them came up with our designs, we got our products, you can get products from China, from manufacturers there or other countries, ship them over to the United States, you can use a freight forwarder, you can get them here, and we have recommendations for those. Um, If you're a pro member, we can give you access to all the templates we use to reach out to manufacturers, as well as our, um, yeah, just preferred providers on everything and all the, in the course, um, we have a course actually that goes into deep detail on every single step on how to build an automated, scalable, multi-million dollar e-commerce business. And that's ultimately what we're talking about here. So we, you bring products over and then Amazon has the ability through Amazon FBA to host the products. So they'll actually store the products for you. And then when people buy all over the country, they will ship it to them. And so you just have to learn how to succeed well on Amazon, how to be amazing at ads and product listing optimization and review um, generation and all of these strategies. And so that was what we really delved into, spent our time on. We built out our own website and our own Shopify store um, and kind of focused on building a real brand with e-commerce or with email marketing and and all the likes. And so that's essentially the business model we're talking about. And Mm -hmm. so we, we dove in and Pretty early on, Jacob, um, I came to him and said, hey, man, like, you want to throw 
some money in here. Going through some cash, a little to, cash injection. Yeah, so we were selling products and they were moving. Um, and I was having a hard time keeping up with inventory and I thought it'd be helpful and fun to have some other people involved. Um, so Jacob came in and... That was probably, that was spring 2016 because you, the business officially went or cranked up in fall 2015 and then we really started moving yeah, so I think we did. I think we did a a million in revenue year in one. year one. Yeah. yeah, which was incredible. Which was the goal. And that was the goal. And we didn't know if we could actually do it. And I think it, we made it happen. We had a couple um, big winners. Yeah, um, yeah, the two first major products um, after the the initial flops. Um, we just kept kept rolling them out and kind of grew, kind of dived into that niche, really deep. And mm-hmm. we did that and expanded not too far from there. And so, you know, the big yeah. one for us over the next four years was diving really deep into our niche and mm-hmm. kind of built a stronghold. We saw other companies come in and try, and they kind of got spread out and spread out too thin and fell off the radar. Yeah, I would say that's a big, that's with a key Amazon. point right there. Yeah. Um, with something we talk about pretty deeply in the course mm-hmm. and kind of show the ins and outs and the why and how to analyze that. Um, but yeah, diving deep, not spreading out too thin and building momentum were key themes. Um, so I, yeah, over those next, so I was still doing my full-time engineering job for about a year and then I ended up after about a year, probably 2017. Yeah. It just made enough sense. Um, there was so much profit in the company compared to my engineering salary. We were probably a couple hundred thousand in profit at least per year right. um, and so it made sense to go ahead and dedicate more time to that and so I tried to tried to quit and they said why don't you stay around for part-time and so I went ahead and did that um, not that was a great opportunity to be able to stick um, stick around and I liked working there and so it had good friends there as well um, so yeah I did that and then Jacob came on probably a year after well, that like six months after I think I think I came on that you, you left in if I remember right, you left like either December, January, mm-hmm. 2016, 2017. And then I think I came on July, Okay. six months later. Yeah. So for six months, I, I got to see Daniel part-time. We actually worked together. He same, was a civil engineer same too. engineering firm. Um, and so I, Daniel would show back in the office, back up at the office a couple little half days a week and make his <laughs> appearance and all the old engineers were not too happy about it because he'd come in and do his his little tasks and leave and they'd say who's this kid you know (laughs) just like working part-time and you know what's he think he's doing and so uh, that was always fun and then I bailed six months later just for reference I'm only 30 years old and so it's uh in an engineering firm sometimes that's still (laughs) you're still a pretty young young guy and I guess back then 25 that's right yeah really young I mean we're only a couple years out of college yeah um so, anyways, but yeah, and we had one other friend that jumped in. Um, he right. was an aerospace engineer, and he pretty yeah. early on. He's a smart guy, so he he understood that um, the return on investment looked looked yeah. promising. Right. Uh, so he threw some money in early on, and that was that was yeah. a, a blast to have him join. He's super um, analytical, able to get stuff done and analyze things, and so he uh-huh. he was involved with. Um, just overseeing like logistics, inventory planning, right. all that sort of side of things. So yeah, what was your main involvement so in I the company? A lot, primarily on initially it was just all customer service off the start. Yeah, yeah. Daniel 
had kind of built out the you know maybe v, version one v1 of the business and the listings mm-hmm. and it was i mean ever changing but you kind of structured it pretty well and so you said hey um what do you think about throwing some more cash at this thing and then once you come on potentially and as it as it looked like okay we need some more help before i quit my engineering job just helped on the nights and weekends and doing customer service calls and then when i quit engineering and started full-time and uh, was doing that helping out with um, oh, some of our marketing efforts, kind of email, some of our email mm-hmm. um, work, getting that cleaned up, and then um, the listings on the website yeah. as well, yeah. getting our website all built out. And you were kind of big picture. You kind of were the, the driving force and um, overall kind of where's the company going. Mm-hmm. And then Logan, the, um, the aerospace engineer, he came on full-time probably, oh, six to eight months after... Because I think he came on in July, maybe 2017, and then he came on in early yeah. 2018. Yeah. Um, once he quit his aerospace engineering job and came on, and um, he really took over all of the um, all the logistics, really. logistics of like yeah, order man or inventory management, and shipping, and you know getting our products Ex- exporting. Yeah, for the manufacturer here, and so which as is well as product job. product development too. He, That's true. He jumped into yep. really taking on some yeah. of the product development side. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a, a lot of fun to have him and yeah. and we so we were three guys strong. We were using lots of tools and services and we had contracted out with the customer service team. Yeah. Um, right. we and we teach um, kind of show what all those are in the course um, on building an e-commerce business yeah. on the website businessinvestingsherpa.com. So if you want to learn the ins and outs, then just visit that site. Um, yeah. We did that probably solid all full time for the next two years and then to better exit and then have continued working with the new owners. And um, we'll kind of keep doing that here till more or less the end of this year. Yeah. So we, um, we yeah. ended up, we listed the company. Um, we used a broker. He was awesome. We, um, I mean, we had several offers the very first day, and that took about eight months. Yeah, to, it, was a, it was a process to close that in itself. Um, lots we learned a lot through yeah. that process, and that took uh-huh. took a lot longer than we expected. I think we were initially, honestly, expecting about three months. Um, right, and that took eight, which worked out just fine. Um, as far as we kind of got to keep making making money that whole time um, while the company was still ours. And then when you exit, um, you get to sell the company at a multiple, um, which that was amazing. I mean, that was great. Mul- yeah, um, three, four, I think we were close to 4X, 3.9 mm-hmm. multiple yeah. on the trailing 12-month um, earnings okay. called seller's discretionary earnings. Right. Yeah. So Not so much EBITDA, but... And, and kind of throughout that whole last few years is when we really pivoted um, into also doing investing along the side because right. we we knew we had this business that was generating a lot of profit, a lot of cash, but it was it was a job, it was a full time mm-hmm. job, and we saw the value of being more diversified, and so we took the profits and we started to move those into more investment streams that produced real passive income and could grow alongside. So, 
yeah, just starting out on that, um, one of the early, fairly early things that we started doing was we learned about real estate syndications. Yeah. And we have an entire course just on real estate syndications because, honestly, it's a beast in itself. Um, there's yeah. a whole bunch of regulations around who can invest, how they can invest, um, and then even from there, you want to be very careful about how you invest. Um, we actually went with a pretty... Mm -hmm. reputable syndicator and even then we're our very first deal we're we're somewhat questionable about yeah we've we've gotten a Mm -hmm. a lot of quarterly updates that don't look great yeah yeah it's one of those um ones that you know it's kind of it looks good on paper and um you know maybe it would have performed just fine but it had a couple couple key issues that have popped up and the COVID environment hasn't helped. Yeah. Um, and so all those things combined has kind of made it a bad apple. Um, and I mean, we're still hoping for a turnaround, but yeah, yeah, it's been a learning experience in itself. Just, just partnering, um, in these syndication deals as limited partners with these national syndicators. Um, mm-hmm. it's been a, there's, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, like Daniel said, I think the, the course is worth jumping in on yeah, so we, we invested in that apartment. Um, the next one was a mobile home park. Uh-huh. We're, the jury's still out on that as well. Yeah, the we, first two were kind of our, our biggest question marks. Almost still. so at this point. We were waiting. We're still waiting um, for distributions to start. But it appears things are, are in a decent track. It, it had a lot of improvements needed up front, right. as did the first deal. Um, yeah. The, both the apartment and this were a bit more... Bit more high risk, high return mm-hmm. plays. Hopefully, kind of learned. Yeah, and uh, we've gotten a little bit more conservative since. Yeah, since then, I'd say most of our investments have been with syndicators and um, large groups that either do much bigger funds or have a bit more uh, just reliable track income record. streams, sure. longer track records, yeah. and so we we're in several type office complex mm-hmm. deals that pay monthly. In some funds that are paying quarterly, eight percent. Right, and have um, a whole portfolio. Of a properties. single family fund portfolio yeah. that has been paying. Yeah. Pretty decent, I'd say six to eight percent, and it's actually looking like they might be selling soon. And um, and then on the other side of things, we've been doing passive income funds. We have some of our. Mm-hmm. We each have ones that we like the most. Um, we've got active dividend growth investing where we're um, doing more value investing and we have yeah courses on how to do all of these things um, that has been and then REITs yeah and REITs kind of active REIT investing yeah um, and then we have a couple of single family homes yeah some of our own the metro properties where we live yeah here in Oklahoma so we've we've been able, and I mean beyond that even some crazy alternative stuff um, and some then Bitcoin some crypto some um, we salt have water a, disposal wells we're, we're invested in another <laughs> fund yeah saltwater disposal well a fund that actually invests in e-commerce companies just like ours um, yeah. that we sold and they they have created a fund that goes in and essentially just like a home flipper but a business flipper so That's they right. plan to to buy businesses, improve them, scale them up, sell them off, potentially package them up and sell them mm-hmm. off. So we're invested in that. We're invested in a construction financing company. That's right, yeah. Um, so a whole wide range of things. And really the goal with all of that is just to be diversified mm-hmm. and to make smart 
calculated investment decisions, our personal targets are typically around 15% return. And so we want to be able to actually use math and calculate and analyze the return that we're expecting on these investments and be able to hit um, 15% or more with a wide margin of safety, mm-hmm. with wide moats, growing earnings, um, healthy payout ratios on really all of the investments, all every, mm-hmm. all of the different factors all kind of come in as well as how much leverage do you have? Are you over? Are, are you in a pickle where you don't know it, but over time something might happen and the house of cards is going to collapse. So you got to have cash reserves. So we've got, yeah, all of these things. And um, really with this podcast, we just hope to uh, be able to inspire you, to mm-hmm. show you what's possible, um, to really teach you how to reach financial independence, how to build a life that you don't want to retire from rather than just wanting to get out of your job. And then what we found is that's that's not what life's all about. It's not fulfilling to have nothing to do. You want to be pursuing what your purpose is and what you are meant to do. Um, and so really by investing, by doing that wisely, diversified, being a good steward, then you can actually um, yeah, work towards what you want to do um, and not what you have to do and build a life that you don't want to retire from. So that's really the goal, the hope of this podcast. And yeah. over at the website, businessandinvestingsherpa.com, we put together courses to teach the ins and outs of all of these things that we've talked about, as well as give you access to everything as a pro member, um, including the portfolio, the updates. So you kind of get to benefit from taking all of our knowledge um, and compiling that and learning from it. So yeah, thanks for listening, Jacob. It was great having you on here. Yeah, it was a blast. All right. Always fun to recap. Yeah, cool. Well, take care, guys, and we'll see you on the next episode.